You're listening to the Place Northwest podcast, your digital resource for the latest insight and analysis on all things property in the northwest of England. Listen when you want, where you want. Hello to our listeners. Welcome to this podcast hosted by Place Northwest and the public affairs consultancy Kratos Communications. I'm Sarah Townsend, editor of Place Northwest. And I'm joined today by Sean Anstey, Executive Director for Advisory, Public Affairs and PR at Kratos and former leader of Chafford Council. And by Councillor Elise Wilson, leader of Stockport Council and Portfolio Lead for Business and Economy at the Greater Manchester Combined Authority. The three of us wanted to get together and have a bit of a far reaching discussion about 2020, how it has impacted the public sector, the private sector, placemaking and politics in general in the Northwest, and of course, what the future holds. We certainly didn't expect to be in another lockdown when we first started planning this podcast, but here we are, and I can think of far worse things than spending an afternoon virtually chewing the fat with two of the biggest names in regional property and policymaking. So just before we start, some further background about Kratos. The company was established in 2009 and has built up a solid reputation for helping the private sector to navigate the complexities of the public sector in the more than 10 years since. Earlier this year, Kratos made its first foray into the north of England, opening an office at Manchester's 125 Deansgate, headed up by Sean. The company, whose services cover traditional planning communications, together with public affairs, local government advisory and community engagement activity, recently hired an an account executive to work alongside Sean, and it's looking to expand further in 2021. Elise Wilson was born and raised in Stockport and was elected as a Labour councillor in the Davenport and Pale Green Ward in 2014. Prior to becoming leader of Stockport Council in May 2019, she served as cabinet member at the council, responsible for reform and governance. So Sean and Elise, welcome to you both. Thanks very much, Sarah. Hi. What have been the biggest challenges you've had to grapple with, both personally and professionally, since this situation really started to impact the UK? Um, So personally and professionally, um, personally, I think it's like everybody else, really. It's, you know, how, how we've managed keeping the children in school and what we've done with them when they've not been in school and how uh, I run a business as well, my husband. So how we've been, you know, trying to keep the business afloat and um, how we've managed that. And that's, you know, really challenging. And I think there's plenty of people who are self-employed or uh, small business owners like us who are probably juggling the very same issues that that, that we're facing day to day. And then in terms of a, as a, as a, as a council you know what we've had to do has been actually you know monumental um standing up for humanitarian aid supporting uh vulnerable people um keeping in touch with people getting help to people um but also really um participating and managing the, the this public health crisis um, that we knew was going to be more than just a public health crisis but also um, you know have significant effects on our economy um, which we didn't know how big or how far or or how deep any scarring might be to that economy and and trying to work proactively as as part of a team both within Greater Manchester, but also with government to really keep people safe and well, 
um, to protect the NHS, and uh, but also find a route through so that we can all, or as many of us as possible, can get through this and, and see see each other at the other end. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's hard to think of a, another sort of situation in, in recent years where regional and local government have had to be so aligned with central government, isn't it, in terms of their response to, to all of this? Um, what, what about you, Sean? How have you found things? Well, I mean, Sarah, I think I, I, as you said, I joined Kratos in March, and that was uh, a week uh, before the the, the first lockdown uh, that occurred. And so um, it has been one of the most surreal induction periods. Um, You know, you sort of get to meet your team sort of very briefly, and then you see people through these rectangular shapes on screens um, for six months as you try and sort of go about keeping, keeping going. And I think that's what I reflect on really over the last six or seven months is not just in the private sector, but in local authorities as, themselves, as Elisa just sort of mentioned, they've been sort of turned upside down, really. And, and, the, and the, the, the pandemic, in many respects, has been a, a catalyst for, you know, how we go about business and how we go about survival, really, if you think about it. And, um, you know, I think often um, when you go about changing things, um, you know, sometimes making change is difficult. But when you have no choice on change... It is quite incredible how resilient people have been. And you've seen that across the northwest, actually, and indeed across the country where, you know, people are sort of saying, well, look, you know, we have this public health crisis. You can't really choose whether it's here or not. It, it clearly is here. What you can choose is how you respond to it. Um, and I think there's been, uh, you know, some great examples of both how the private sector has sort of come up to, to try and keep people going, how government and local government, um, you know, Maybe not always getting things right, but nobody always gets things right. But really, really saying that we are we are going to come through this one way or another, and we're going to keep on supporting each other. It's been quite quite incredible to see, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. I mean, Stockport, for example, in these, there's a. I mean, Alison, you've, you've announced some some lots of long-term regeneration projects this year. You've got the 15-year station revamp, 500 million pounds, I think, is the projected sort of investment value and you know you you guys certainly haven't been slowing down your end have you no and I think it comes back to what we were saying around our economy and the wider impacts of what this crisis is going to mean for people and I think you need to for me it's keeping your foot on the pedal it's important that we continue to remain ambitious for the people of Stockport and that we continue to show that we still plan to do things and we still have plans and and we're still excited and enthusiastic about those plans so yes there's the uh, the the um the train station prospectus um but i think that's just one part if you like of of many things that we're still really trying to push forward on because how how people live and I guess this was kind of true before the crisis but the role of towns and, and Stockport's a town borough we're a suburb and and I guess the, the role of towns and how people want to live is is evolving and and getting a balance is a slight shift in balance um and you know getting that right i think is what's is what's important and really recognizing that people want something slightly different um now and what the digital age brings to how we can live and what opportunities there are now for for people and we're we're, we're thinking of about how um how we sort of try and facilitate 
some of that conversation because how we think about our places um, and therefore the role of local authorities, local authorities who in March, April, May, June, and indeed still today, had the immediacy of a public health crisis to respond to, now not only have to carry on responding to a health crisis, but need to, at the same time, shift their attentions to, well, what is their local place going to be like? You know, how is the economy going to change and repurpose itself? And um, to, to Elise's point, you know, as people perhaps might spend more time in the suburbs, might spend more time in towns, and um, you know, our town, our, our high streets, we've said for a long time, are going to be changing. Well, there is a real space for for councils and the private sector in tandem. And um, to say, well, this is what it's going to be like. And um, I think there'll be some first mover advantage to whichever um, local authority and place gets hold of that with both hands and runs with it. Mm. I mean, do you think actually the relationship between communities then and their councils, um, their local authorities, do you, think, do you think that's actually become sort of stronger then as people have sort of almost developed a, a stronger sense of place they've been spending more time in it they, they really know what they want from their immediate kind of local areas and and I guess the pandemic has sort of hit everyone in just about every way hasn't hasn't it you know economically practically um socially I mean yeah perhaps perhaps the relationship has actually deepened as a result do you think I'd say so I think uh, kind of in three spaces really one is we've delivered humanitarian aid the kind of which we haven't seen delivered in the uk to our own residents you know as a country we've done humanitarian aid but it's invariably to somewhere else to have done what we've done has put us in contact with people who we maybe haven't had direct contact with before or or really given a human face to the council um, that people haven't seen before. Uh, so the relationship mm. there is stronger. I'd say the work we're doing with our businesses in, 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 in our boroughs um, is also actually really made a difference so in Stockport we know because we've been working so closely with our with our businesses in Stockport who who at the big you know at the height of the pandemic was meeting every single day or there was a there was a group of them that had volunteered their time to meet every single day to work with the council and others to really help um you know keep businesses afloat support businesses get information out and and we've had businesses come back and says I've never worked with the council before I was always put off a bit but actually working with you's been really good so that relationship's better and then I'd say what you were saying before about people thought maybe they couldn't work from home before only now they've realized actually it might work for them in a more long-term way or um or actually they hate it and they can't wait to get back in the office I think um that's also true um but people's local communities and environment uh, people have taken more notice of it i think and we've seen a lot of that through things like the cycling and walking and and parks and green spaces and um the kind of the feelings people have around that as as really as really ramped up i think so so yes i think the relationship is stronger i think people are more interested but i think it's still going to be difficult because the scale of what a council does um and sean will know this you know like everything from adult social care public health children's services at one and all the way through to emptying your bins and your potholes and 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 you know 
spatial policy for planning you know it's 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 vast the things you cover really um and i think that can be quite hard for people because you know it, it is so um so vast to kind of get your head mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. yeah i mean on on that on that point that makes me sort of think about another point, uh, another facet to this conversation, which is the relationship between councils and central government. And, you know, obviously we've seen, you know, numerous kind of pots of pots of money being created by the government and we, um, that councils have been bidding for to kind of help them deliver both, both some of the emergency services that have been required, but also sort of the longer term, you know, economic recovery initiatives and you know property placemaking development initiatives and I wonder if there's any if, if you both feel like there's been some sort of real lessons learnt, perhaps on both sides about how the different tiers of government have to cooperate together um, in, in times like these and in the years after um, what do you think about that Sean? I think I mean I think it's a fascinating um, example over the last six months of the uh, dependency um, or that, that local government has on central government. We know that we live in one of the most centralised countries in, in Europe, if not the world. Um, and what you've seen play out over the last six months is this is this debate, I suppose, about expectations, about who does what, where and when. Um, and so, you know, and that's just a general view that I think I, I hold about, you know, what, what do the public think of their politicians? And they hold them at, you know, standards that are incredibly high and challenging, and I suppose quite rightly so, but, you know, sometimes that makes it difficult. But if you take, for example, um, you know, ultimately, uh, I think there are certain things that, that probably need to happen at a national level. Um, and there are certain, you know, whether, you know, whether it's, you, how does lockdown work? How is the vaccine programme going to work? What, how, what do you do with local public health directors? And there is clearly more to do about really defining free school meals is another example you know do you have a national program um, for summer holidays that continues or do you do what councils want and fund them but fund them properly um, and so so i think you've, you've you've almost had this tension playing out where um you know as most people would know i'm a huge advocate of empowering sort of councils to get on and do the job but equally if that if, that, if that's going to be the case then we have to reset what our expectations of central government is going to be and it's a you know it's a it's off, I, I i really hope in the months and especially around sort of economic rebuilding so this is you know we've talked a long time about the gap between the sort of south and the north and even within Greater Manchester, what do you do with sort of a prosperous southern sort of Greater Mancunian economy? And what do you do with a, 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 a you know, how do you how do you make sure the strengths of the north of Greater Manchester are played as well? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's only that you know there is no way that is going to be designed by the Department for Business um, or the Ministry of Communities and Local Government in Whitehall. That is going to be done in places, and therefore. The, the conversation in the weeks ahead needs to be how do you make sure that people like Elise um, with the Greater Manchester role and the business and the economy um, you know is there what what do we what do we how do you empower that and make that happen I think will be really important to the future I think part you know I agree, have to say I agree with Sean a lot of it the, the the space between where national government is and real people's lives is seems vast and so the role of local government is is important we've seen how local government becomes the delivery arm of 
of government, if you like, in its in its widest in its widest sense, because we're the ones on the ground and, and we're the ones closest to our communities. And and I think, you know, how how that develops over the future you know, over the longer term is, is going to be really important. I, I mean, I am going to have to say, you know, funding local government properly in a kind of sustainable over a medium, you know, over a medium term, instead of pots of money that you bid in the left, right and centre, it has, has to be part of that solution. But I would say, and, I, and maybe that's because my councils are council under no overall control. That means, you know, there's lots of different different politics going on in that council chamber um and it means that to get things done you have to find a way to work with people and you have to go in a genuine way to say okay i'm listening what what are you saying and and how do we find a collective route through for that and so i don't see you know as a as a private business owner and somebody in local government i don't see what how the two don't work well to get to me they work well together there's no reason why you have to be exclusive and why you can't be more inclusive in your approach and i would i would take that to government as well and sort of say i think that we need to move away from us and them and we use a lot of us and them in all kinds of bits of uh, of life um, and we need to start moving away from that and finding a more inclusive way forward. And, uh, you know, say like the MDC, Stockport Mayoral Development Corporation, you know, we've got in there basically uh, different political parties. We've got um, a local government. We've got the combined authority in Greater Manchester and the mayor involved. We've got national government in there and we've got the private sector in there. And it's like... And we're going to be doing amazing things there. We're already delivering amazing things. And, and what the future holds for the MDC is bright. And that's because it's it's it, it's the ecosystem. It's the it, it, We're bigger than the sum of our parts. It's actually what do we all bring to the table? And we all bring our own thing. And, it, and it's recognising that sometimes the um, the best parties are the bring your own parties, aren't they? And, and I think that that's, mm. that's how I, I see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the sort of um, I think perhaps and correct me if I'm wrong, but a, a positive thing that's come out of this pandemic um, struck year has been the move towards digital engagement in planning, a, a digital planning process. Sean, you've probably got some um, some like insight into this because you've been probably running a lot of these like digital planning consultations for um, uh, on behalf of people, but. Do you think that's actually ended up getting um, a broader range of potential stakeholders on board and, you know, actually helping to tap into some sort of like hard to reach parts of the local community? I think I think it gives us a different audience um, to, to, to aim for. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with the previous audience. So the people who would sort of turn up to the village hall and give you comments and feedback on consultations that were sort of being run. I mean, we launched uh, Creators Engage in uh, April, which was very quick after quickly after the lockdown to, to sort of say, well, look, you know, the show must go on. Uh, and this is, the, this is my theme for the year, really, is that regardless of what's thrown at us, we have to find a way of keeping the show on the road. And that's you know, as Elise has, has mentioned about her business, we've done the same with our business. At, you know, Place Northwest will have done the same with your business. And, and ultimately, this is about saying that there are tools that are at our disposal that we we have to find a way of um, of navigating uh, through. And if you take that conversation about 
um, you know, where investment is going to go in the future. The competition for investment is going to increase um, significantly in the months and years ahead as, uh, you know, as, as, as places try and come out of um, sort of economic um, challenge and, and, and prosper. Uh, and therefore, um, you know, what, what really needs to happen, I think, is that, you, you know, councils and local authorities need to be easy to do business with. Um, I think they need to be uh, engaging with uh, their communities, with residents, and as Lisa's mentioned, with, with the private sector. We need to be thinking about, well, you know, just because just because something might have been done a certain way before um, doesn't mean it has to be a certain way in the future. And, and if we've learned anything from the pandemic, um, trying to uh, you know, enable that to happen uh, in a really constructive way, ultimately for the benefit of communities, because that's that's what we're all here for, is to, to make our places better places to live and to make sure that people can support their families and all that sort of stuff. Um, hopefully that's what we can we can take from the pandemic. Mm -hmm. What do you think about, uh, I mean, I, th I think also it's sort of shown how, um, you mentioned earlier this this issue of sort of managing expectations and sort of, within this greater communication, I guess there's a risk that sort of expectations get higher or, you know, I think that's really, I think that's a really interesting point perhaps. And we saw as well how on, on the funding issue, we saw how absolutely sort of um, up in arms a lot of the, a lot of the local Greater Manchester community was when there was the whole funding sort of spat, wasn't there, between um, central government and between Mayor Andy Burnham and, you know, wanting to make sure that, communities of Greater Manchester got the right amount of money that was going to support them through this crisis and I think maybe with more with greater engagement from the local people there needs to be that sort of management of expectations and sort of communication will become even more key I guess. I think it's I think it's absolutely critical I mean there's there's been a, a, a number a number of events and that, that's one of them in the in the end I think and as an, as an observer looking in now this was an argument in the end of about about five million pounds. Um, yeah. This is a pandemic that's cost us two hundred and ten billion pounds up to now. I mean, you, you sort of think in the in the grand scheme of things, there must there must be a way of finding a finding a finding a solution to that. And and um, you know, in, and in some respects, regardless of how that played out, it, it is it, it demonstrates to us that we have to do more to try and keep people who may have. Um, slightly varying opinions on certain things, uh, almost to, to Lisa's point earlier, in, in any sort of negotiation, there is always common ground, or in any debate, there is always common ground. And that's what we try and do at Kratos, is find people's sort of common ground when they're engaging with each other. But, but actually, that lesson is true of central and local government. That lesson is true of, of councils and communities. You know, even if there's a difference of opinion, you have to find a way through. Um, because that's the only way really that our politics is going to work for people so that they don't feel like they don't feel put off by it. Elise, mm -hmm. what, what would you say about um, sort of how councils work specifically with central government um, then on, on sort of funding issues? Do you think you've learned some really useful lessons from this, um, from this sort of pandemic situation um, that, that hopefully will kind of continue in the years ahead um, and do you think do you think central government from from any conversations and sort of involvement you've had have, have kind of picked up on this and, and learned lessons too oh <laughs> <laughs> I'm, and i'm groaning because i i'm not sure we're there yet i'm not sure if those lessons have been learned 
and I can't speak for other local authorities. I can only speak for Stockport. And as far as Stockport's concerned, you know, I feel we are an inclusive council that engages on various levels with all kinds of people and if you're interested and, and committed to delivering for the people of Stockport then we want to be, we want to hear from you you know we're happy to talk but and we don't really mind you know we're happy to listen and engage but what the, the difficulty we've had and, and I felt and the real frustration I felt is there isn't the same feeling back from government it feels like government's had this massive crisis to deal with and to a certain extent and I'm not sure if I'm being fair or not but it, it panicked and it drew the drawbridges up a little bit and cocooned itself into right well now we have to do this thing and we're going to tell everybody what to do and there was it, it's like there is no route through to you can knock on the door as often as you like and say listen we've got some great ideas we really think we can help you know uh, in in this crisis and yet you're getting zero traction with it and you, you're not feeling like you can influence and and like Sean said before it came down to like five million pounds but when a council's looking at tens of millions of pounds you know gap in their funding and they've got to find that out of services that people rely on um it's it's huge for us and it's it seemed like such a small thing really in the end and that could have been resolved and and to me there's been a real lack of just just listening and engagement and I think if I was say you know the feedback I'd be getting is engage genuinely listen genuinely um and you'll find that actually people will want to help because they will want to make their places a better place they will want to deliver for their people and when they've delivered for their people that it'll it'll deliver for the government as well you know if we mm -hmm. want what's the role in Stockport within Greater Manchester and what's Greater Manchester's role to the, to the UK because you know we've got this double whammy of not just having a crisis to deal with but but Brexit and and what's the relationship with the EU going to be in the future and what's our relationship going to be on an international scale and and therefore what role does Greater Manchester have within that and and I think there's a real opportunity to make as much of a success of the opportunities that come about than 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 just kind of n not engaging with us and then potentially holding ourselves back a little that's mm. what, yeah that's what I'm thinking I'm thinking I'm not sure and I, and like I said you know I, I realize I'm probably being a bit harsh but I'm not sure government has learned its lessons yet mm. and maybe yeah in the in the meantime it's sort of all about um it, it's sort of the onus is on councils isn't it to sort of really communicate and, and sort of promote all of the great efforts you guys have been making in terms of getting new investment on board and creating new visions for the future of your towns and everything and that will continue to be important but yeah as you say um uh, you know it's going to also be crucial for central government to recognize that yeah and i do want to caveat what i just said i I appreciate that they've been dealing with a crisis and I think, you know, that needs to be acknowledged and there's a serious amount of firefighting that's had to be done and and not not everything. I'm not poo-pooing everything, but I'm saying if you're going to start leading and you want to, you know, you need to look at the horizon, you need to see what's coming and you need to be able to, to, to learn your lessons fast. You need to be agile in that, you know. You fail, you know, fail early and learn fast and, 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 and I'm not sure 
you know, central government are there yet. I thought it would be nice to wrap up with asking you each, um, what are your, what's your sort of top, your key ask? Um, I mean, aside from getting a vaccine over the line, um, you know, there's been, there's been a lot of good news on that front lately, but what are your top asks for 2021 to, to really help the region and the country, I suppose, in turn, um, to get itself together after a really rough period? What would you say to that, Sean? I think I don't, I don't, I'm not entirely sure whether I'd categorise this as an ask, but but for me, the word that's sort of been missing over the last six or seven months when we talk about recovery is confidence. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, at some point, um, we are going to have to be far more confident, far more as a, as a, as a, as a population of people um, and organisations that are sort of working in the Northwest. And um, to say that, you know, that, that there is light at the end of the tunnel, like we're going to make progress towards it. And here's how we're going to do it. So I, I, re- I suppose really what I want to see from... Uh, from from everybody in in the north um is is this idea that you know we we can do it we we know that it's going to going to need people to go out and be a bit more confident in in, in, in what in, in you know because ultimately you know going into a pandemic is one thing coming out of it is entirely a different thing altogether um and that you know some people will think that think differently about what they're comfortable or not comfortable doing and so therefore I think everybody whether it's in councils or business or shops or so on needs to really think about how we make people real confident to to return uh, to either the, the lives that they had or the new lives that they'll have in the future. Absolutely yeah thanks Sean. What about you Elise? Yeah. Uh, do you know I was going to say the same thing you're not going to believe that are you but confidence is going to be absolutely key I guess to build on that I'd say creating confidence requires a certain amount of like uh, knowing what's coming a little bit creating some stability and trying to um create some certainty for businesses so that you know we we, we don't lurch from one thing that's announced at like the last minute and then happens really quickly afterwards but actually what's it like to live with this virus how are we going to do that effectively so that we can keep people safe and well but we can tackle some of the other issues mental health I'm really concerned about that so so how do we live with it so that we're not causing ourselves other problems in other ways whether that is the economy or that is things like mental health and I'd and I'd say from government I guess my ask is help us create some of that certainty so that we know what our funding is not just for now not just a pot of money that we can bid for for this thing or a little tranche of money to tackle this issue but actually you know some kind of um, medium term uh, package that allows us a degree of flexibility so that we can we can really target what we need and evolve for for, for, for today and help us create that confidence that's going to attract investment because if we're not confident and creating that confidence then the investors are going to go oh should we is now the time is now not the time do we go for this and I want to take those people that have been made redundant who thought do you know what I've always wanted to run my own business I've always wanted to to try this thing or turn my hobby into something that makes money I want you to take that redundancy money and, and do it try it but to take that risk you've got to have confidence and so how can we create that so I'd say Sean's hit the nail on the head but I'd go with a bit of certainty to to kind of help create that confidence brilliant I think that's um that's a good place to um to end both of you on a positive note and looking at 
kind of, you know, this potential for some some great support that can come from people's local governments um, to sort of support them in the in the months and, and year ahead. So yeah, thank you so much to you both. I've been Sarah Townsend, editor of Place Northwest. We've had Councillor Elise Wilson, leader of Stockport Council, and Sean Anstey, executive director for advisory, public affairs, and PR at Kratos. Thanks so much to you both, and hope hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks very much.